and welcome back to another episode of the Warrior Within the Woman podcast. I am your host, Pastor Lauren Daniel, and I'm so grateful for all of you that are tuning in today, whether you are a brand new listener or someone that has been with me from the beginning. I hope that you're having a wonderful day today. And today we're going to be going into a scripture that maybe many of you are familiar with, but John chapter 15, verse 1 through 17. And we're going to talk about today, today we're going to talk about being a branch. And I know you might be thinking, Lauren, <laughs> are you going to be talking about gardening? No, I do not have a green thumb. Everything I touch dies. So it's not that, but uh, we're going to go into a little bit deep conversation on what it is to be a branch and not be the vine. So in John chapter 15, verse 1 through 17, it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples." As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that you may have joy. That I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Now you might be thinking, Lauren, where are you going with this? I know that scripture, very good. It's a great scripture. Awesome. But how is being a branch going to apply to my life as a woman, right? As as someone that is trying to serve God and, and serving my family and Maybe if you're married, you're serving your husband and you're trying to do everything and you feel like you're just exhausted. You're worn out. You have no other options. But I want to tell you that the first thing that scripture really, what really stood out to me was that a branch cannot sustain itself. If it is cut off completely from the vine, it will not grow It will not produce fruit or anything of substance, and it will ultimately wither and die. Sometimes we get so overwhelmed by the things of this life, 
especially as moms, as wives, maybe you are in the corporate world and you're working a job and you just are so exhausted because everyone depends on you. But let me let me ask you this question. Whenever you feel exhausted and worn out and even maybe even in the deep pit of pity, God, why is this happening to me? I'm so tired. I need a break. Why am I just going through this motions of every day and mundane and just giving 10% of myself here and 10% of myself there and I'm ultimately dying. My branch is bearing no fruit. We have to understand that we're putting ourselves in those positions. You cannot be the vine, sister. Warrior, you were never created to be the vine. And so many times as mothers and wives and as just women in our workplace, our family, whatever your circumstance may be, if you're leading in your church, whatever it may be, we like to take on every role that we possibly can. And we ultimately get ourselves to the point of an of exhaustion because we're trying so hard to please other people. We're trying so hard to be the vine. But see, we'll never be the vine. We'll, we'll never be able to sustain other people because God has never created you to be the vine. He never created you to sustain other people. He created us, our purpose to be a branch, to bear fruit and to show other people, listen, I can't sustain you. I could give you some fruit. <laughs> I could give you a little bit of something and help you one day, but I cannot sustain you. I mean, I can attach you though to the vine. I can show you what my what sustains me, who sustains me. But it's not in my own strength. So many times in this world we're told you are enough. You are enough. But can I tell you the truth, warrior? No matter how strong you have been, and all the stuff that you've gone through, everything you have overcome, it is because of the strength of God you've overcome it. You're not enough. We're not enough. I know. What an encouraging message, Lauren. Thank you so much. What an encouraging message. But let us just look at this for a minute. We, we push this narrative. You're enough. You're worthy. You are enough. And even though... It's a good sentiment, understanding that I'm not enough. I need the vine. I need Jesus. Without him, I am nothing. In, in my hands, I can lead women to the Lord. I can lead and do all these other things and have events and I can plan things. But you know what? When it comes down to it and it's just my hands in it, it's just an event. It's just a fun gathering. It's just something that I have created and I have fabricated. It's not genuine. But whenever you bring God into it, when I say, God, my family is yours. My job is yours. My life is yours. In my hands, it's nothing. It's literally a, a little minuscule atom in all of the world. The, I am literally just an existing if I try to do it myself. But when God steps in, when God is able to take my family and he is able to do something with it, when he is able to take my ministry that I love and my heart for women, he is able to do something with it, but I cannot rely on myself. 
I cannot rely on my own abilities because you know what? Your abilities will fail you. Your giftings, even as wonderful as they are, they will fail you. The first thing that a leader and a warrior needs to understand is to accept that you are weak when you're on your own. A warrior understands that they are not capable of doing anything when relying on their own strength. My strength is very small. And in the grand scheme of things, I can try to be strong and I can hold it together as long as I can, but I can't hold it together forever. I'm going to break down. I'm going to cry. I'm going to be burdened. I'm going to feel like I'm chained down. I'm going to feel so used by other people when I am putting myself in a position where they need me because I have somehow disguised myself as the sustainer, the vine. God, I want to remind you that God, he only chose people. If you look through biblical history, he only chose people who were weak. The ones, the outcasts, the ones that people would say, how in the world is God using them? How in the world is this happening? This has to be God because they are literally nothing. I want to remind you of a few people from biblical history that will truly open your eyes. And I want to give you the clarity today of the true sense of the circumstances these people were in. And at the end of this, I want you to think about where am I, God? Where am I? Look in the mirror. Because even if you're having a hard time, maybe you're saying, Lauren, my branch it feels withered. I am two, two days, one second away from dying. I feel so discouraged. I feel so worn out. I want to remind you that God, he uses those people. Moses had a speech impediment. He couldn't talk. <laughs> For some of us Eastern Kentucky people, we would say, I can't talk right, right? <laughs> you got that accent or nobody's going to understand me or take me seriously. But he had a speech impediment. He battled with insecurity. He had anger problems. He murdered someone and he ran from the law. <laughs> and I don't know what y'all want to, if you want to look through the Bible, you could see he didn't get caught. So you tell me what that is. He, he ran away. He did not get caught in it. And God met him after the fact. What? Oh, gasp. You mean God met him? After he murdered someone? After he literally, quite literally, in the sense of the word, murdered someone and ran away, did not get caught, hid in the wilderness, God met with him. God sought him out. Because God, he does not look at our insecurities and our anger and the issues that we bring in the baggage that we've got. And we're saying, God, do you even understand? Do you even understand what I've gone through? How in the world could I talk to these people? How in the world could I witness? How can, how can me being Lauren, who has such a past, and I'm not anybody compared to anyone else. I'm not special. God is saying, I know. You are not enough, but I am. God is enough. He's saying, I'm enough for you, daughter. I'm enough for you. It's okay that you feel insecure. It's okay if you feel not enough because truly we're not. We need him. What a humbling 
what a humbling thought that I am not enough, that I, in my own sense, in my own hands, I'd screw it up. I'll mess it up. In my own hands, I love my son. I love my son. I would do anything for my baby. I mean, I, ladies, I would go to jail, handcuffs and all, with a smile on my face for my baby. If any of you mamas understand, yes, I'm sure many of you are saying amen. We, I, I would do anything for my baby and for my husband. You just don't mess with them, right? <laughs> I'm holy, but also hood. <laughs> but I would do anything for them. And it took me so long to understand that, that sometimes I am putting myself in the position of trying to sustain them and being the vine that I'm becoming a hindrance. I am the hindrance. I'm the, the burden. I am the barrier that is holding my husband or my son back from seeking God and experiencing him because I want to make sure everyone's okay. I need everyone to be okay. I want everyone to know that I'm there for them. But I have to realize, and daughter, you have to realize that no matter how wonderful of a wife you may be, no matter what kind of wonderful mother you are or a daughter to your parents, whatever a friend to your friends, a coworker, whatever titles you hold, a grandmother, even though you could be a wonderful one, you're still not enough. Understanding that I'm not worthy, but that's why God chooses me. He chooses the, the misfits and the outcasts. He chooses the ones that people look at and say, wow, you're using her, God. You're using Lauren. Wow, it must truly be you. Because if you knew me and you saw my past or things that I've struggled with even in secret, you may say, oh, I'm not taking advice from her because I'm truly not enough. But God is. God is enough. David had an issue with lust and pride. He was humbled in many scenarios. He lost a lot of things. And even in his sin, he lost something so dear to him. But God never gave up on him. He never stopped fighting for David. Because David accepted that he was weak. He was not a perfect man. He had a lot of problems. <laughs> a lot of lust issues. Couldn't keep his hands off of other people's wives. I mean, he really did have issues, but God never gave up on him. And David became to be one of the most profitable and incredible kings that Israel ever had. And it's because at the end of his life, he realized out of all the baggage and the terrible mistakes I've made, I am weak and I'm tired of trying to act like I'm strong. Because literally, when I act like I'm strong, that's when I mess up. That's whenever I make mistakes, when I think I've got it under control. Naomi dealt with tremendous grief. To the point it changed her whole outlook on life. But God did not remove her blessing. He did not remove the blessing of her daughter-in-law, Ruth, that was one of the most instrumental people in Naomi's life. I am so thankful that even when I'm unfaithful and even when I am struggling and even when I'm bitter and in grief and depression and anxiety, God brings people along, sisters to hold me up, 
Anyone that tells you if you struggle with mental health or you're dealing with grief and it's been years and you've not come out of it, anyone that tells you God cannot reach you in that is a liar. Let me tell you something. Naomi was bitter. She was hurt so bad. She was in so much grief of losing her sons and her husband and and she gave Ruth an option, but Ruth did not walk away. Ladies, your circle matters. Your circle matters. Trust that when God is sending you ladies that will pray with you and stand with you, they're not going to leave you high and dry. They're not going to leave you in your grief, but they're going to stand in it with you. They're going to help you through it. Naomi, even though she was bitter and hurt and and just depressed and just did not want to move on, God did not give up on her. God's strength was there. He was faithful to bring provision despite the very real grief she faced. Gideon doubted God and had a lot of insecurity. My goodness, did he have insecurity. He doubted God every step of the way. (laughs) Every step he took in obedience, he also felt inferior and like he didn't know what he was doing. Sound familiar? God was faithful anyway. Rahab. Rahab was quite literally a prostitute. She was not saved. She didn't believe in God. She had heard about God, but she truly was not a person. She was not an Israelite. She was a part of the enemy. I mean, you're you're talking about God using someone that doesn't even know who he is yet? Yes, because God is no respecter of persons. He chooses who he chooses. He anoints who he anoints. And in this moment, Rahab could say, I don't know who this God is. I have lived this life. I have this baggage. I have this lifestyle that I cannot leave. I'm so comfortable in. This is how I make my money. But she saw God's people, the spies that came in just to to look um, through her city. And something changed inside of her. She noticed something's different. Something is different here. I don't know who God is. I don't know who your God is or what he's done. I can't quote scripture. I can't do any of this. And you might be listening to this this podcast today and saying, Lauren, I am a new Christian. Or maybe you're not a Christian at all and saying, Lauren, I don't know who God is. I do not have no theology or biblical knowledge. I don't know anything. That's okay. God's not looking for the people that know it all. God truly is looking for those who will say, I'm weak, so God use me. And it was because of God's people that Rahab met, something inside of her stirred, and she said, I don't know who you are, I don't know who God is, but I need to help you. Something inside of me is telling me to help you. And because of her obedience, God put her in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, Woo! What an amazing testimony of someone saying, I came from a life of sin, not knowing God, and God chooses to use me even before I even gave my life to him. Even before I even trusted him, God was there. That's how faithful he is. Esther. Oh, Esther. A lot of Christians like to romanticize this This point of of history they like to romanticize especially uh all of my 90s kids that grew up on veggie tales right oh the king is looking for a beautiful wife it was a pageant and i mean i understand for kids it's it's sweet but 
let me tell you the reality of what Esther faced. Let me tell you the true reality that Esther lived in. She was a teenage girl. And if you look in the scriptures that she and many other girls, and they even say teen girls or virgins, they would be captured and taken to the king. So Esther was a victim of human trafficking and sexual trafficking. We look at this and you're like, what? What? There is no way. There is no way that she went through that. Are you telling me the story of Esther, the queen, that she was a victim of human trafficking? Absolutely. Because the enemy went in, took her from her family. And I'm just thinking this fat old man up in the, up in the palace with his nasty, lustful eyes wanting these teen girls. I'm just saying, let's look at the reality of the story. She was taken from her family for sexual purposes and taken to this palace. And in the midst of this trauma, in the midst of all that she has gone through, the power of God and the boldness that comes over her to be a light and to say, you know what? What else can happen? I know that this is not the place that God has intended for me. I have not put myself here. It was because of the actions of other people, the actions of people that uh, that have issues and that hate me and that hate God that has put me here. I can either sit here and pity myself or I can get up and be obedient to God and because of her obedience in the midst of trauma in the midst of being used in the midst of being abused she saves her nation wow she was not go she didn't go willingly there are things that happen to you that God never intended to happen to you, but because of free will and because of the evil in people's hearts, because they chose to hurt you, they chose to physically hurt you. You're dealing with the repercussions of their sin and you're trying to get through your life and you're trying to heal from it, but you can't. And you're wondering, why did God allow this in my life? I'm telling you, sister, from someone who has experienced it, it is not God who, it is not God's fault that those people chose to hurt you. But I will tell you, God will fight for you. Every situation that Satan brings upon you that tries to abuse you and and use you, God will use it, not only for his glory, but your good. He will bring goodness out of it. And you may be thinking, Lord, I just don't believe that right now. I'm broken. I'm hurting. You don't understand. I do. I do understand more than what you think. And I'm telling you, even because, even if the circumstances you're facing and the pain you're trying to heal from is induced by other people, God will bring victory out of it. Esther was a strong woman, but not because of her own strength, but because of God in her. Joseph grew up in a dysfunctional family. My goodness, did he. He grew up with siblings and parents even that did not believe in the dream and I'm sure many of you could even say, yeah, I've lost 
family or friends because of trusting God or saying yes to God. I, I can say personally, I've lost relationships because of me saying yes and being female, holding a microphone, and because I am a woman. But understanding that God and his strength will help you go through that. Joseph was in a family that hated him. His brothers hated him and they told him he was better off dead. And when they didn't kill him, they decided, well, let's sell him off like a slave. Like that's any better. Honestly, you think about it, I'd probably rather be dead than be someone's slave. But they sell him into slavery because of just the pure hatred of the dream he had, of the calling he had. But God still kept him. God still sustained him. Let me tell you something about Joseph that as I was studying, really just a light bulb went off in my head. If you read the story of J of, of Joseph, and, and if you're familiar with it, I won't go into detail today, but Joseph has a lot of ebb and flow, up and down, and, and he get, comes out of slavery. God is favor, giving him favor in um, the king's palace, and then he's falsely accused of something he did not do and is thrown back in prison. And I can't imagine being out of prison, like out of the shackles of slavery, saying, wow, God has done this. I, I serve a one true God, and then all of a sudden you're back in, in jail because of somebody else. Because of a lie somebody told. And I think of him and, and as you go through this, this story and through this history. Joseph, he meets two, two men in jail and one is ultimately killed. The other is restored to his position in um, the palace. And because Joseph was able to interpret their dreams through the gifting of the Holy Spirit... He, you know, was able to tell them what to expect and what God was going to do. And he told the man that was restored to his, um, but he told, he told the man that was restored to his job in the palace to remember him. And what does he do? He doesn't remember him. <laughs> Just like a man. No, I'm kidding. But understanding that, you know, he trusted, okay, he's going to remember me. He's going to remember me because of my gifting. And it wasn't till a, a while later, the king has a dream and the man that ha was restored, he's like, oh yeah, I know somebody that can interpret dreams. And as I'm reading this in scripture, Joseph, Joseph is able to interpret the king's dream and then is restored and is taken out of prison. And I'm looking through it. And it, if you look in the scripture, that's the last time Joseph uses his gifting of interpreting dreams. And I was thinking about that and wondering how many times as Christians we put so much emphasis on someone's gifting. Oh wow, they're a preacher. Oh wow, their teaching is incredible. Wow, they sing like an angel. And these giftings are wonderful. They're given by God. We can use them for the glory of God, but we need to understand that your gifting is only a doorway to the purpose. Your gifting is not your purpose. Your gifting is only to be used for the glory of God and into the doorway, into setting you into the purpose that God ultimately has you to go. And if you look at it, Joseph's gifting of dream interpretation, it stops there. 
Now we could argue, did God take it from him? Did he still have it? Did he just not ever have any more opportunities to use it? Who knows? But understanding that your gifting does not make you special. It doesn't make me special. I love preaching. I love teaching. I love doing this podcast. But at any day, at any hour, I could lose the ability to speak. I could lose the ability that I once have. And I need to understand and be humbled that I am not enough. That this gifting is from the hands of God. And it can be taken from me or it could be lost. I mean, it's not something that should define me, but only open the doors to the purpose that God has for my life. Daughter, do not compare your giftings to other people. Don't compare yourself. Lastly, as I'm closing, Mary. Wow. Mary, the mother of Jesus. An unmarried teenage girl. And we look at this and we're like, wow, she was incredible. And we want to put her on a pedestal. But she was the, she was probably the most physically weak and emotionally weak. She was a small, like a teenage girl, a girl that, a girl that was chosen by God to carry the king of the world, the savior of the world. And we sometimes feel like we're, and as the church, how many times do we judge and and hurt and break down those those girls that are teens that are pregnant that need our help but we look down on them when they could be carrying something amazing she was not married let's look at this she god chose an unmarried teen girl to carry jesus christ and we think that he doesn't love the lowly we think that he, we somehow are, have come to this, um, this conclusion that he wants us to be strong, that he needs us to be strong, that he needs us to be better than everyone else. No, no, let me tell you, that is a lie from the pit of hell. God is only choosing those that are humbled saying, God, I am nothing. But if you'll have me and if you'll choose me, God, I'll be, I'll be what you need me to be. I'll, I'll be used however, use me however you want, God. You may be saying, Lauren, I just don't feel worthy. I don't feel like I have anything to contribute. Sister, I understand. I understand. But don't you worry about what other people, what other branches, what other fruit is being produced you focus on your branch, the fruit you're producing. And to lie, he is not one to make up something and tell you, oh yeah, you have purpose and to take it back. No, he has purpose. That's a promise to you. You have purpose in this life. And right now, today, I want to encourage you to look at yourself in the mirror, to analyze, ask God, look at my heart, Lord, and show me the fruit that I'm bearing. Is it raisins <laughs> or is it grapes? Am I bearing fruit? Am I withering away? What am I doing, God? And help me to choose you every day. Help me to be okay being a branch and being what you have asked me and called me to be. Help me to understand that I'm not the vine. I was never called to be the vine but simply a branch to bear fruit and point people to the vine.
Thank you, Warriors, so much for tuning in today. We are going to continue this series of The Vine and the Branch next week. And I hope that this message has truly blessed you as much as it blessed me just studying and just hearing from the Lord. We all need to hear this message. We all need that reminder that we are the branch, not the vine. You don't need to sustain everyone around you. Even though your children may need you right now for a time, don't be afraid to take a step back and trust in the Lord and spend time with the vine so that you are sustained, so that you can live a fruitful life. God bless you. We'll see you next week for another episode of the Warrior Within the Woman podcast. Love you, friends.